Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> the um, last couple of weeks I've been away, um, I was on the East Coast teaching a retreat uh, with Tara Brock, dear friend, um, lovely retreat, a thriving community. Uh, and the retreat was in uh, Maryland, <clears throat> just outside of Baltimore. And when I uh, realized that uh, I was going to be in Maryland, um, I took a look on the on the map to see how far from the retreat center um, <clears throat> was Jessup, Maryland, J-E-S-S-U-P. Uh, I had no idea where it was in Maryland, but it turns out it was uh, about 40 minutes away. In Jessup, Maryland, uh, there is a um, prison, the Jessup Correctional Institution. Uh, and in that prison, um, there are a number of men who um, went through the uh, Awakening Joy material together. <clears throat> I forget if I have I mentioned that here? No. Um, this is about two. A year and a half, two years ago, um, I was contacted by this professor uh, in, uh, who teaches at Loyola University in Maryland who goes in and works with these uh, inmates. He's been doing it for years, and uh, from time to time they go through a book together and he asked if, uh, if they would be okay to go through Awakening Joy and if possible could I get some copies for them on discount. And I said, oh, sure, you know, I'll get it to you for uh, my price, the lowest price that I could possibly get. And uh, he ordered 50 books and uh, then went through the material um, through uh, over a course of 10 weeks. And I said, oh, well, let me know how it goes after I'm curious, you know, what, what, what it's like for these guys. Um, then he emailed me at the end of the 10 weeks, and he said, um, well, you would have been very moved to see the, the graduating ceremony of these guys. Um, as it turned out, uh, it, was, it was very, um, very well received. And uh, they they really appreciated it, and were there were some tears and like that. I said, "Wow, that's pretty amazing." And then a few, like about a a week or or two after, in the mail, um, they sent me. This is about a year ago. They sent me a um, a gratitude booklet um, with a beautiful lighthouse on the cover. And um, and inside, um, all of these guys writing their 
appreciation, which completely blew my mind. Uh, and in fact, on the uh, the paperback edition, which is which came out uh, last fall, I wrote a note of uh, the introduction to the paperback about how these these guys took this and. Um, you know, and this gratitude booklet is one of my cherished possessions. Um, and, uh, and I sent it, uh, I sent some books with their, with the names, I got permission to use some of the guys' names who, whose quotes I used in the, in that note to the edition. Anyway, we've had some exchanges, email exchanges, uh, since. I thought, oh wow! I wonder if Jessup is near enough to go to to see these guys. And like I say, it was like forty minutes away. And I called up my this guy Drew, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to be there. You think we could see? We can meet each other." Well, it worked out, and uh, I I went there. Although I had a really great time teaching the retreat, this was definitely the high point of my visit there. There were um, 140, 147 inmates that came to uh, hang out for uh, the afternoon. 35 or so had done the, gone through the material and the others had heard about it and wanted to check it out. Um, it was an amazing experience for me. It was such a love fest. And what I did was, um, I wanted to hear what it was like for them and uh, any questions that they had or things that came up from, from the book. And um, they would share their their thoughts and then, We'd have a dialogue on whatever issues were coming up, and it it just went on until you know the guards, um, you know the guards really like to be in control in prison, of course, which makes a lot of sense. And they, um, you know, they were kind of strict. No, okay, you have until now, until this. Now you better get out and like that. The, the guards, by the way, I don't know if any guard is going to be listening to this tape, but um, um, the guards were the, the 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 people that I felt a little bit not quite as safe, you know. <laughs> and, uh, the guards were kind of like, you know, pretty uh, um, strong energies, but these hundred and forty guys were just, it was so soft, it was so beautiful, and there were tears, and there there was a kind of gratitude that I I can't, I don't, you get a lot of gratitude sharing the Dharma, but this was special, and I just let myself really be with it and take it in. Um, And um, actually, while I while I talk about this, it's not usually the thing to do to pass something around, but I can I can pass around a picture from the guys who actually did work with the material. This is after everybody else 
left, and then these guys stayed for some pictures. And I have a picture, and uh, and I can uh, pass around the book too if you want to see. Um, but what struck me about being with them, it, it has stayed with me since. These guys, in for murder, a number of them in for murder, in for 30 years or more. One guy, the guy who organized it, who's uh, in that picture over to the left uh, in the the T-shirt, he's been in for, uh, yeah, 31 years. Um, And... um, They're really, they've, many of them have transformed. When you get in for that long, you can either choose to just get more and more bitter, or if you're fortunate enough, if somebody like this fellow Drew uh, comes in and gives support, um, and you're in a good supportive environment, um, you can start facing in the right direction. And it was just so striking how people who've done awful things in a moment of confusion or triggering some conditioning that uh, one couldn't control, um, then spend a lifetime paying for that act of mindlessness, and maybe it's more than just one random act of of mindlessness or of ill will or aggression. Probably it comes out of a habit, but that it's possible no matter how deep the conditioning for change. And probably many of you are familiar with the story of Angulimala in uh, the Buddha's time, this serial killer who had killed 999 people, as the story goes. And then he meets the Buddha, who is about to be his thousandth victim. And the Buddha, through the power of his, his presence and his loving kindness, wakes this guy up who eventually joins the order, sees through his confusion, joins the order, uh, becomes a monk. Um, the people who, who were affected by all of his bad deeds uh, still hated and resented him and uh, would stone him when he went on alms rounds. But he changed inside and actually became a fully enlightened being. That's the classic story of why it's important to not give up on people, which is what I really have been coming up with. This is what I take with me from, from that visit. To, to not give up on people, at least to see the possibility that the heart can change, 
to see the possibility that clarity can break through ignorance. <clears throat> this is, uh, where is it? Yeah. You know, we are so um, easily, we fall into the, the trap of judgment and righteousness and think, you know, oh, why don't they get it together? How could they do what they do? And here I am, I could never do what somebody else does. Although we all have our moments of insanity or losing our our minds. Uh, And if causes and conditions were different for us, perhaps it would be very, very different there but for the grace of God. Um, This is a a quote I love from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He says, uh, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart. This is something to keep in mind when when we get confused or we make mistakes or we hurt somebody, whether or not it's intentional or unintentional, that if we are on the sending end of that. As humbling as it is, it's a very important understanding to see we are capable of causing suffering. And it's, it just takes us down a notch from that self-righteousness and to see we're either clear or we're confused. And when we're confused, if we've been fortunate enough to see clearly, to even have a glimpse of clarity of seeing, then we at least know where happiness lies and where well-being lies. For some people, they've never kind of figured that one out. But still, not to give up. If these guys in prison can wake up and change and and touch the heart so profoundly, so beautifully. I believe that unless somebody has been devoid of any warm contact, that it's in there waiting to be awakened and that change is possible. Mm. on a much mm, less dramatic but very uh, impactful note for me as i've i've shared in uh in this room before and uh and in the joy course and in the book uh, the story of my mom who uh is now 94 Um, and who at the age of 89, after a lifetime of complaining, 
a lifetime of complaining by her own proud admission um, opened up to a gratitude practice. If you haven't seen the YouTube video of my mom, who, who, how many people have seen that video? Uh, if you haven't seen the video, then check out uh, Confessions of a Jewish Mother. <laughs> it's up to now 212,000 views. Where she, she realized the possibility of seeing the blessings in her life. And at the age of 89, she started getting into this practice of um, every time she complained, and I would remind her, and, and she said, oh yeah, and my life is very blessed. And somehow it took, and for the last five years, that has been an ongoing theme for her. At first, my wife Jane uh, thought, oh, well, it's kind of cute. It's a nice little game you're playing. Oh, oh and you got a good story for the book, but is it really going to make a difference? And she's been very impressed because my mom, for the last five years, her main theme, her main comment, I'm so blessed. I'm so filled with gratitude. And now, just to share with you, some people know this, but I'll share it now. Because it's, it's coming down the pike and it's in my reality. She's near the end of, of her, her days. She's in hospice uh, care now. She's just in her bed, has great um, care, attendance, and hospice comes in a few times a week. And I speak to her most most every day. Um, I'm going to see her this this weekend. And still, and she's she's not in pain, which she's very very grateful for. And um, but she has uh, cancer and just kind of you know going down. It's hard to say how much longer, but not not very much longer. Every conversation. I am so grateful. I am so blessed. My life has been so blessed. Just in the last week or two, she said this twice. When she said that, she said something new. She said, and you know, you had a lot to do with it. I said, really, Mom? That I hadn't gotten. you know. But she's just gotten ten, more and more tender Every day. Now, it could go either way. I mean, I w- we were just fortunate. Because when somebody is in those stages in their life, there can be fear, there can be bitterness, there can be uh, confusion. She is ready to go, which makes a huge difference. She's really ready to go. Uh, and she said, as she often says, life doesn't owe me anything. I've had a very full life and it's time. But once you start facing in that direction, you more and more want to, you see where the light is. If you haven't seen where it is, 
then of course you'll probably be heading towards more confusion. But once you see, once there's a possibility of seeing where well-being is found and a little bit of change of heart, a little bit of light shed on the situation, then you more and more, this is what practice is about, you more and more want to bring out that innate yearning for well-being and for uh, your goodness to shine. Mm-hmm. Now, on another level, if you look back on your life, you can see just directly for yourself the changes that have happened over the years that probably, if you're like most of us, certainly like me, you have learned a thing or two in your, in your life and things that used to hold sway that were um, seductive or where you'd be trapped in unskillful behavior are not, don't hold the same allure. And ideas and opinions that you have don't have exactly that same pull. And you kind of wake up. I remember as I was reflecting on this, and I'll have you reflect in a few moments, just the, the way I've changed from being a kid. I, rem- I remember I was walking down the street uh, today, and the streets in Berkeley are pretty clean. You know, they're, they're, there's not a lot of litter, at least in, in my neighborhood. You know, maybe Shattuck Avenue or, or Telegraph, it's a, you know, different in other parts of the, of the area. But my, my neighborhood is pretty clean. And I remember, I mean, these days, could you imagine, maybe you can, but hopefully uh, you can't, crumbling up some paper and just throwing it on the street? I mean, I think it would, it would be really hard that act actually hard to do to crumble up some paper and just throw it in the gutter. When I was a kid, I think I used to do that. <laughs> it didn't cross my mind, you know. I, I'm just remembering now the bazooka bubblegum wrapper, you know. Got some, if you're old enough to remember bazooka bubblegum, bazooka bubblegum, right? Um, blow them away. And, uh, you know, have some gum and just throw it in the street. I couldn't imagine throwing a piece of gum wrapper in the street. Or just thinking about some jokes that used to be funny, derogatory jokes, you know, just put-down jokes and and, uh, um, that just would make me cringe to think that I used to think they were funny. I was thinking back, this is a painful memory, when I was, um, mm, I was in my 20s, and uh, I went traveling around for, uh, for uh, each summer when I would be teaching uh, school in New York, and each summer I'd go to, 
go to Europe and uh, would and met a number of friends. And this one summer we traveled around to oh, about six or seven of us to a few Greek islands um, together. We just really bonded. And this one fellow um, from uh, Germany named Martin um, came and visited me like a year or two later and stayed at my house. This is in early, around 1973 or so. And um, when he stayed, he told me he was gay. And that had never, I'd never been, uh, had that encounter before. I mean, I knew gay people actually my sister was in the is, was in the art world and i knew you know, really neat people that i that i enjoyed very much but somebody who i who was a friend of mine who i had that idea uh when he told me i didn't know how to react and you know i didn't i didn't say anything but he could feel my hesitancy, I think from my own, my own fears, I don't know what, but um, I never heard from from him again. And that has, um, that has really saddened me, really saddened me. I've tried to find him uh, because it's amazing to think that that was my reaction in those those days, and now it's probably a lot of people's reaction in certain parts of this country, but for others, it's like, "Hello, wake up, wake up to the twenty first century where everybody has a right to just be who they are and celebrate." But I could see in myself that fear and how things have changed in my own heart. <clears throat> just as I, before I go on, you might just uh, reflect for yourself. You might go inside and see How have you changed? Not just in trying to be a wiser person, but wisdom coming through you. An evolution, things that you thought one way, you now have a very different take on. About perhaps yourself, about others. About those different from you. About life.
How have your views and opinions grown, shifted, So before I go on, we could just take a few moments to check in. Anyone see how they've changed or what they've gone through? Yeah, pass the mic. Thanks. Here, oh, raise your hand right over here. Yeah. Good subject. Thanks, James. Yeah. This might be a little bit off topic because it was kind of a sudden change uh-huh. that occurred maybe three weeks ago where I just had like this kind of like a predisposed prejudice mm-hmm. against maybe uh, dance as an art form or ballet. I got a text message from my brother. It was this short segment from a um, Marie Chouinard uh, ballet. And it was these people, mostly nude, but in like medical traction kind of stuff, doing this, this dance as an art form, different acts. And the first two, I was kind of like, what the expletive is this you know what is this and i think my brother was childishly kind of sending it to me to as kind of like a point and laugh poke fun kind of thing and expected me to join in on it but but by the third act i was laughing hysterically and then by the fourth act i was touched and um first i don't know why but for some reason like that predisposed prejudice to what i don't understand just just disappeared Mm-hmm. And I was all of a sudden kind of um, like my feelings of this were available to me, where they hadn't, they would never have previously been available at all. Mm-hmm. So I just realized that this this act was basically a presentation saying that you know this is what these we we're free of judgment of ourselves. We're chasing down the desires that are are given to us and it's no more absurd than any of the rest of our day-to-day lives you know Mm. so it was actually really really inspiring i think i really actually like dance now Mm. like i could probably go see a ballet now i was like wow now i'm really interested in ballet (laughs) that was that was completely unlike the way i had ever looked at it before you know it's amazing just you know you feel a certain way and then you See, oh no, it could be a very different way. You know, it's, the, it's like they say, um, it, sales salespeople, you know, skeptics make the biggest converts. And somebody is saying, "No, I'd never go for that." And if they, if the mind can turn, they're the the proselytizers. Yeah, it can change. Yeah. So, uh, anyone else here, Timothy? Here, here. Oh, you no? Oh, okay. No, no, no. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, so as a child, I can just remember this intense desire to fit in, be liked, and Mm -hmm. have people appreciate me and how much I would uh, adjust my behavior to try to fit in and tell the right joke and Mm -hmm. sometimes even get pulled kind of to the extremes of doing things that I wouldn't really be proud of just to try to fit in and be part of the group and some regrets on those fronts. And I think as I've gotten older, I think it's just this clarity of mind and grounding, just knowing confidence in who you are 
And then when you see, you start noticing these desires to try to you know, be liked and, and meld with other people. And then you say, you know, I can just kind of be myself. And then you start being present for them. And you see these patterns, this so clear that they're in these you know, states of delusion or confusion. And that's why they're trying to put someone down to make themselves feel better. And you, it's just so clear. And you can just sit there and listen. And it's, it's much more freeing. Yeah. yeah. I'm about to... Uh, Go, later on this year, I'm going to go to uh, to my 50th high school reunion, <laughs> and uh, that's going to be a trip because I was really confused when I went to high school. And just like you're saying, you know, where can I fit in? Can I fit in somewhere? It's like I was just thinking about this uh, today, actually, as you as I was thinking about this. Oh, you know. I'm just myself these days. Isn't that interesting? Who would have thunk that in high school it would be, oh, I'd finally get to a place where it would just be completely fine being me. Oh, yeah, well, that'll be fun to be around those people again. Yeah. Any, anything else that came up? Yeah, Jonas. I, I, there is a big shift that happened for me in the last year or so when I made a commitment to letting go of my grievances. Mm. I, you know, just like you talked about your mother, um, you know, when I began that process, I realized how much of my grievance has been enwrapped in my conditioning and how much it really affect my well-being. So one of the things I really appreciated about the course, uh, the Awakening Joy, is making that commitment to mm. what does it mean well-being, and making those choices every day, asking mm-hmm. myself, if I choose this thought, if I choose this action, is it not only skillful and skillful, is it going to contribute to my well-being or not? Mm-hmm. And as I stay with that question, I am noticing a lot of change. Mm-hmm. And there is, there is an element of pain in this change because we're letting go of very deeply ingrained old habits and letting go of something that has been with you for a long time, that's not something that's just like throwing a piece of trash. Mm-hmm. It takes, takes a while. So um, that's been really the big shift in, in my life. And, mm-hmm. and in the context of your course, I get to practice that. And, mm-hmm. and when you shared on Tuesday about your story with the prisoners, that was another wake-up call. It's like, here are these men who are pretty much condemned to life. And they're able to look for joy and find joy. And I am a free man. (laughs) And I have a lot to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And that just made me even um, think very deeply about the question of what it means to be in a place of Mm -hmm. well-being. Beautiful. Yeah. It's just like seeing the light and going for the light. Lovely. Anything else? If you just uh, pass it on. One last one, and then we'll do a couple more things. Yeah, no, it's okay. Here, it's okay. We want to hear you then. You might as well. So that, that, that alone is a big change, because I never uh, rarely feel comfortable to speak at group events like this, although I, I come to quite a bit. Um, first, I just wanted to come, and when you said, oh, you're, you didn't fit in with any group, but now you're in the biggest group. You're 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 in with everyone. Mm-hmm. By being yourself, you're part of the mm-hmm. the big group of six billion of us. 
and that led me think of the change. Uh, most of my life, I was uh, I would uh, categorize people, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, judge them based on education or what they did. Be it, and I was a political activist and a left wing lawyer and all this kind of stuff. And I would, but I, everything was sort of okay. This one is worthy of this one is has a good career this one and somewhere along the line uh growing older i realized that we're all the same and each person is truly of equal value mm. and that was a major revelation mm. very do, deep revelation do you remember was it one moment of insight or just kind of grew there was a uh, my wife and i had uh were in haiti a- uh, before and after the earthquake mm. And we were working very, very hard in uh, doing seva, you know, selfless, doing service. Really, we were. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, we were in this restaurant, and I met, you know, was, all the defenses were down, exhausted. 300,000 people had died just a month or two before. And I was in this restaurant, and I saw all these people moving around, and I just had this. I, had, I did have like a, a, what they call a sponda, inner epiphany. And I said, I said it in, in Creole, in my, in my mind. I said, Tutmun Mem, which is, all, all people are the same, all the same. And I just saw, I just, it, was a, it was a sort of a cosmic vision, really, mm-hmm. of everyone in that building and everyone everywhere, we're all one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that uh, has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And it's also very, can be very painful. Because when you feel that, then... The pain of someone else, somewhere else, uh, you feel that also. Mm-hmm. So you feel both the love and the pain. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You can just you can turn it off for for now. Yeah, and and that's that's the amazing thing. You know, this kind of meditation practice is called insight meditation, and that's this amazing potential that in any moment the mind can open in any moment there can be this ah oh oh i never saw that before and when it's something that strikes you like in that that restaurant it's life changing can be life changing you just see another perspective that you'd never seen that informs everything in your life where suddenly instead of me and them we're all in this together or suddenly instead of the world being a dangerous place you can see it as a friendly place or suddenly thinking that things won't work out to, oh, I can hold a positive vision. Just in a moment, the mind can open. That, that's why the Buddha taught. Because in any moment, the mind can open. So this is this point of not, even though there, certainly you don't want to be in, uh, you don't want to put yourself in danger or in dangerous situations, um, to still hold that any heart can open. That you don't... The real villain is not that person 
there doing awful things, but it's the ignorance in the heart. It's just that person doesn't see clearly, is confused, and that mind can open up too. You know, there's that, that Longfellow quote, uh, if, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find enough sorrow and suffering to disarm all hostility. If we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find enough sorrow and suffering to disarm all hostility. As soon as you see the conditioning or understand the conditioning behind someone's bizarre, unskillful actions, the conditioning plus the ma- their genetic makeup plus circumstances plus whatever, that, um, but you see when people do hurtful things, they're living in confusion and in ignorance. And any moment, it's possible to change. I think I want to, now since it's almost time to go, just um, share a story with you. This is from Jack's book, uh, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness and Peace, about possible transformation. Once on the train from Washington to Philadelphia, I found myself seated next to an African-American man who had worked for the State Department in India, but had quit to run a rehabilitation program for juvenile offenders in the District of Columbia. Most of the youths he worked with were gang members who had committed homicide. One 14-year-old boy in his program had shot and killed an innocent teenager to prove himself to his gang. At the trial, the victim's mother sat impassively silent until the end, when the youth was convicted of the killing. After the verdict was announced, she stood up slowly and stared directly at him and stated, I'm going to kill you. Then the youth was taken away to serve several years in the juvenile facility. After the first half year, the mother of the slain child went to visit his killer. He had been living on the streets before the killing, and she was the only visitor he'd had. For a time they talked, and when she left, she gave him some money for cigarettes. Then she started step by step to visit him more regularly bringing food and small gifts. Near the end of his three-year sentence, she asked him what he would be doing when he got out. He was confused and very uncertain, so she offered to set him up with a job at a friend's company. Then she inquired about where he would live, and since he had no family to return to, she offered him temporary use of the spare room in her home. For eight months, he lived there, ate her food, and worked at the job. Then one evening, she called him into the living room to talk. She sat down opposite him and waited. Then she started. Do you remember in the courtroom 
when I said I was going to kill you? I sure do, he replied. Well, I did, she went on. I did not want the boy who could kill my son for no reason to remain alive on this earth. I wanted him to die. That's why I started to visit you and bring you things. That's why I got you the job and let you live here in my house. That's how I set about changing you. And that old boy, he's gone. So now I want to ask you, since my son is gone and that killer is gone, if you'll stay here, I've got room and I'd like to adopt you if you let me. And she became the mother of her son's killer, the mother he never had. Perhaps this, uh, this week you can uh, just see if there's anyone who you've given up on or who there's bitterness that's holding you back and to see about the possibility of holding them in a different way and perhaps envisioning at some point that they might wake up. Whether or not they do, who knows? But you holding them in a different way might just bring about a little bit less negativity and a bit more connection, which is really the antidote to pain and hatred and fear. Because in the end, if there's a feeling of safety and love, people generally don't hurt each other. So it's a really, I think, valuable practice to not give up on on people. So, thank you to Jessup, prison inmates for teaching me and reminding me and uh, touching me. And uh, there might be some people in your life who inspire you in the way they can change as well. We can just do a, a moment of loving kindness to end. And as the classic loving-kindness goes, to direct it towards you, but get in touch with your own noble qualities, because the more you can connect with them, the more they shine through and you feel deserving of metta.
Get in touch with what people appreciate about you. And include your own sincerity that wants to become more conscious and wake up. And then send yourself some kind thoughts. May I see all the goodness inside. And share it with others. May I see through my confusion and fear and wake up with compassion to all the places of ignorance. May I be kind to myself. And open to all the happiness and goodness in my life. And then extend that out to everyone here and to all beings in all directions who just like you want to be happy as I want happiness and peace may all know happiness and peace in their lives. As I want to see through my confusion May all see through their fear and confusion and hold it with compassion. May all awaken to their true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and ripple out to be a benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you. So see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.